Welcome back to another live episode. Live in the sense that it was recorded live in the Beyond Measure community and broadcast on This Might Get Uncomfortable a week later. And I'm so delighted to do this episode because I got a wonderful topic from one of the live viewers named Peter. And this topic is focus, which is something I think a a good amount about. I wouldn't say that I would use the word focus myself, um, but I think that's a huge part of what I've been contemplating a lot over the last few months, especially. And focus is a buzzword for many people. It seems like a common struggle. So that's why I thought this was such a wonderful subject matter. So thank you, Peter, for suggesting it in Beyond Measure. For those that are listening outside of Beyond Measure on the podcast, you are welcome to come join us anytime. I have currently been on a schedule of doing live episodes every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, and that might switch up in the future. Actually, I always ask the members what their ideal schedule is, and then I try to make that work with mine. So if you're part of Beyond Measure and you want to give any feedback on days of the week, time of day that you are most easily able to join, I would love to hear that. And if you're not part of Beyond Measure yet, I will link in the description of this episode where you can come join us. It's free and it's very community. I mean, it is a community, but I was going to say it's a community oriented um, platform and it really ties into today's subject matter, actually, in, in an interesting way. So let's get into this. I, Since I wasn't preparing anything, that's the essence of, of doing things live, I didn't have that much time to think about this ahead of time. So in real time, during the pre-show version of Beyond Measure's live recording, I went and pulled up notes from the book I've mentioned on the show a few times called Stolen Focus. And it's one of the best books I've read in at least the last three months, maybe in the past six months, maybe ever. It had a very big impact on me. And I, I did an episode covering many of the points. I'm going to probably go over some of the same things again today, but I use that as the framework to think about focus. And then I may also pull in ideas from some other books I've been reading, one of which is called what Works by Tara McMullen. This is another one of the greatest books I've read in a while. And the third is called 4,000 Weeks, I believe, is the title. I want to just double check that that's indeed what it's called. Yes, 4,000 Weeks Time Management for Mortals. So I would say if you're interested in focus, if you're interested in time management, Stolen Focus and 4,000 Weeks could not recommend enough. If you're looking for more frameworks when it comes to your career, your, uh, what's, what's the other word for work? <laughs> your livelihood, how you make money. The book, What Works is fantastic. And if you are, or believe that you are neurodivergent like myself, this book is fantastic for that too. All three of them tune into some new ways, I suppose. Maybe not new, I'm trying to think, unconventional ways of thinking about 
how we work, how we live, how we approach time, what we do with our time. And they just are, are think concepts that I'm constantly trying to bring into my own life. So it's an absolute delight to focus again on, on what I've been learning. So I'm going to go through and share some of the main points from Stolen Focus and hopefully some things that can help Peter who asked about this and also anyone else who's listening and may be struggling with this. And a great place to start is that a battery of scientific evidence shows that if you want to succeed in changing something, you should meet up with groups of people doing the same. That was kind of like a piece of advice that really stood out to me while reading Stolen Focus. And one of the motivations for running a community like Beyond Measure is that we can connect with like-minded people who have similar goals, similar challenges, talk about it together. That was one of the closing pieces of advice in Stolen Focus, but woven into the entire book was the power of community. And given that so many people feel lonely and isolated these days, it makes sense why that advice is given. And it makes sense in this context why we might be struggling if we don't lean on other people, if we don't connect with other people. And that's why I've really prioritized beyond measure as I want to hold a safe, supportive space for like-minded and like-hearted people to work through their life's challenges. And, and look at that in action right now with Peter bringing this question to the forefront. It's not just about him getting some answers, but that those answers could have a ripple effect and help other people. And I just think that's absolutely amazing. Another great point that is brought up a lot in Stolen Focus is that it's not your fault that you can't focus. I think a lot of us take on self-blame. This came up in What Works as well. Tara McMullen points out how we live in a time where the individual is praised and often prioritized. And maybe that also explains why many of us struggle to get involved with community, why some of us struggle to connect and, and would choose to isolate ourselves. There's almost like a pride in doing things all on our own. But all of the books I've been reading lately have been saying, A, don't take the blame on, on. don't feel like you are a failure because there are bigger forces at play, whether those forces are things like social media, which we'll touch on today, or the media in general, traditional media, or is it um, the way that things work politically? Is it the way that we've been taught about strategy and success and fulfillment? I mean, there's a lot of big cultural impact at play here too. And the author of Stolen Focus, whose name I feel like I'm going to botch, I think it's, let me just pull it up so I can look look at the name and try to pronounce it to my best attempt. I think it's Johan Hari. He talks about how this is all by design, that a lot of systems, especially in, in the United States, but in many developed countries... And I don't even know if de developed country is a great term. In many countries, I'll just say, um, it's designed to be that way. 
So maybe us being unfocused is exactly how things are, quote, supposed to be right now. And many of these books are tying that to capitalism. Many of them are tying it to control. We are, are, it's easier for people to control us when we feel weak, when we feel out of control, when we feel unfocused. So part of my motivation for talking about focus is giving you the agency and the power to push back against those systems. And that's exactly why community is so powerful. Again, towards the end of Stolen Focus, the author says that our best bet in getting more focus is by coming together and fighting for our focus. And I don't think a lot of people talk about that. I had never really heard about that before. And I feel like that activism for ourselves, but also the activism for the greater good can be so incredibly powerful. And he points out that our individual efforts to improve our attention can be dwarfed by an environment full of things that wreck it. One thing I've covered in the group coaching that I've done is the impact of our environment on our overall well-being. And your environment could be your household. Where do you live? Where do you spend the most time? Where do you sleep? Where do you spend time with other people? Plus, if you know anything about me, I'm very passionate about the environment as in the planet and taking care of the health of the world. And that actually drove me towards wellness because I, for so long, I was focused on sustainability and like, you know, keeping the air clean and the water clean and a lot of those more practical things. And then it eventually occurred to me that in order for us to take care of other things outside of ourselves, we have to take care of ourselves first. And most of us are struggling with that to begin with. So it's an interesting thing. It's almost like a chicken or the egg type of thought process is, well, I feel like there's a problem going on with me. And now I'm learning that that the environment is impacting how I feel, but I'm also simultaneously impacting the environment. Where do you begin? Most advice points to beginning with ourselves. So that's, that's where I focus. But knowing that other things outside of your control sometimes are impacting you. And maybe that helps yourself. Maybe knowing that it's not your fault and you're not a failure and you're not weak there's nothing wrong with you. You are inherently worthy. It's just that you're, you're trying to make it through a system that's designed to work against you. Maybe it's not self-sabotage. Maybe you're faced with sabotage in general, and you're actually doing a great job fighting against these systems. Maybe it's a spin saying, I'm trying really hard. I really want this, and it is hard to begin with. The author of Stolen Focus calls it an attentional patho pathogenic culture, an environment in which sustained and deep focus is extremely hard for all of us, and you have to swim upstream to achieve it. That resonates with me. It does feel like an uphill battle, an upstream battle, a fight constantly. No wonder so many people feel this way. It's easier sometimes to just give up. It's easier to go with the flow. It's easier to give in. It's hard to fight against that current. So again, praise yourself for that hard work. And if you do give up, that's okay because it's designed for you to give up. 
You're not doing anything wrong just because you feel out of flow. And the word flow is going to come up a lot. It, it's a big thing in stolen focus and something I'm not going to touch a ton upon today, but one of my favorite parts of that book. He also says that we are living in a system that is pouring acid on our attention every day. And then you are being told to blame yourself and to fiddle with your own habits while the world's attention burns. We hear a lot of this in sustainability too. I remember when I first started getting really into environmental activism, which was around 2009 or 10, and, and probably a little bit earlier because I started Eco Vegan Gal in 2008, I wanted to do something. And it took me a while to realize like I was putting a lot of effort into the changes that I could make. I was encouraging other people around me to put an effort. And years later was the first time the concept came to mind that it's actually not just about that individual action. There were so many greater forces at play. We are being told that saving water and not using plastic, for instance, were the best things we could do for the environment. Meanwhile, there was not a lot of attention on how companies were participating. And I, and I believe this is still true, that data has shown that companies play a much bigger role in harming the environment than we do as individuals. That's not to say that we shouldn't do work as individuals we shouldn't try to make a difference, but we need to turn our attention to the bigger powers at play. And in terms of our focus, where do we put our attention? That's, that's pretty tricky. What works is really great when it comes to career, whether you run your own business, you work for yourself like I do, or you have clients like I do. There was a lot of great tools, tips in here about how you can do things like setting boundaries, honoring your capacity. I think those are things that we can do to impact the people that we work with. If you have a more traditional employment situation, sometimes that's a little bit harder, but maybe hopefully there are systems in place, people that you can talk to and say, this is what I need in order to focus. And you might not just be helping yourself. Whole systems can change within a business that could help others because a lot of people don't even know how to uh, advocate for themselves. They don't even know that they're struggling sometimes. That self-awareness is a big challenge for most people. So once you get that self-awareness, can you then advocate for it and ask for it? Can you get the accommodations you need to focus? And sometimes we don't even know what those accommodations are, which is why I reference books like What Works. Tara, especially given that she's autistic, she speaks a lot on accommodations. You might want to do some more research on like what accommodations are even available? How can I utilize to my best? How do I set those boundaries so I can do my best work? And then you can do the same thing in your personal life too. You can tap in and start to take notice of your focus. When do you feel in flow? Which, as I mentioned, great section on flow in that book, Stolen Focus. And I, I think I might have a few points to bring up from it, but um, to really understand what it means to get into a flow state. First, you read a definition on it, and then you can start to notice it in your life. 
And a way to think about that right now is like, when do you feel just like everything is kind of easy? When do you feel like everything's moving in the direction that you want? There isn't a lot of resistance. It feels really good. You want to keep doing it. You feel like you're making progress. That's some of the ways that I describe flow for myself. And you could start by journaling it, literally taking note of that flow. You can brainstorm right now if you want. When's the last time you felt any sort of flow? What were you doing? Where were you? Were you alone? Were you with other people? What did that feel like? Getting yourself into that state. I notice it all the time. That doesn't mean I'm always there, though. I notice when I'm out of flow, too. So you can take note of that and say, huh, this doesn't feel good. I'm not able to focus right here. This feels really hard. This feels like I'm climbing uphill, swimming upstream. So maybe I want to do less of that. Can I do less of that? It's a big question. And once you identify what you want to change, you have to recognize that change often takes time and effort. Even for me, I build my own schedule. One thing I brought to therapy last week few days ago, my, my most recent therapy um, session was that I've been really struggling with my schedule. I've been putting way too many things on my plate. I have a tendency to do that. I, and I'm struggling to even identify why. I, I just love doing a lot of things, I guess. <laughs> but unfortunately, that takes away my focus. Today's a great example the day that I'm recording and going live with this episode, I don't feel very focused because I had way too many things scheduled. It's been one thing after another. And so I feel out of alignment. I feel out of flow. I would rather not feel that way, but it's going to take me a while to change my schedule, to change how I organize my work in order to better serve me. I don't think it'll ever be perfect. I don't think I'll constantly feel in a state of flow, but I can get closer and closer to it. I can add more things into my life and set more boundaries, honor my capacity in some new ways. And again, those are things that I'm really learning from what works. And Peter said, I don't enter flow state nearly as often as I did 15 years ago. And that's really helpful too. I'm glad you brought that up, Peter, because you can look back on where where you are in the where you are now versus in the past say like what has changed in the past past 15 years for me i mean i 15 years is a good marker for me i think that's that's when i i started using social media you know um i could look at that and say that was a big change i that was something that took up a ton of my time and as is widely discussed in Stolen Focus is the impact that social media has on our ability to focus. So getting back to that book, in our current culture, most of the time we're not focusing, but we're not mind wandering either. We're constantly skimming in an unsatisfying were. I love the way the author uses words like were. <laughs> Like W-H-I-R. Interesting. That's skimming I thought about too. And, and that was one of those lines I read 
and thought, oh, wow, I don't want to do that. Because my word for 2023 is connected. And my definition for connected is deep connection. I do not want to skim the surface. So when I read that, I thought I need to create space for focus, for flow, because I don't want to stay skimming the surface all the time. That's not how I want to live my life. I want to go down deep. I want to dive deep into the waters. I want to go into the trenches. I want to like have richness, you know? And so sometimes just noticing what we want and we don't want, again, that, that can really draw things to the surface. The book says that all of this frenetic digital interruption is pulling our attention away from our thoughts and suppressing our default mode network. We're almost always in this constant stimulus-driven, stimulus-bound environment moving from one distraction to the next. That's another thing that I've really noticed, not only in myself, but in other people. How distracted people are. I just had a meeting right before I started recording or joined the live session today. And the person I was with was amazing. This person could go so deep. We had a great conversation, but they were distracted. I was actually very surprised. I don't even know what they were distracted by. <laughs> we were together for 90 minutes in our meeting. And they just kept like, there would be like sounds I would hear. And then they would go do this or that. It, it, it almost like they just couldn't stay present, but yet they were present. It was a really, it was really an interesting experience. Just all the little dings, right? Many of us, we have our computers and we're getting notifications. You got a new email. You got a new text message. There's an update on, on the news, the current events, you know, this is coming up next in your calendar. I mean, even for me, I, I usually try to keep my computer on do not disturb because I do not like all of that stuff. The book talks about how easy it is for us to get drawn away. In fact, that's somewhere down here. I think if it says when we get distracted, oh yeah, if you're focusing on something and get interrupted. On average, it'll take 23 minutes for you to get back to the same state of focus. And that could be as simple as a notification of a new email. Happens to me all the time. I mean, even sometimes when I'm recording, I just got a notification a few minutes ago and I had to go in the middle of this recording and go put my computer on do not disturb. But what if that little ding notification I just got is leading me to be less focused with you in this moment, less present, less in my flow. Many of us know what it's like to be in a conversation. Something distracts us and then we've completely forgot what we were saying. It's not a great feeling, but it's just the way our brains work too. And, and that was one thing I really enjoyed about reading Stolen Focus was better understanding our brains. And again, taking away the self-blame and saying, okay, I'm a human. This is how human brains work not something I did. It's just the way I am. And what environmental impact is causing my brain to act this way? And how can I reduce that environmental act, uh, environmental trigger as much as possible to support myself? Many of us are also feeling like we're missing out. 
And that's why we check our devices all the time. Ooh, this one really, really hits me. I mean, I will say after two months of being off social media, I do feel like I'm missing out, but it's actually not bad. I'm, I'm more in that joy of missing out than the fear of missing out. Cause I realize most of the things I've missed out on, they don't even matter. Cause I don't even know that they're happening. <laughs> it's very insignificant. And I will find out about things that are important regardless of social media. Yesterday, I found out that someone, someone I know, but don't talk to a ton is pregnant. And I found out from somebody else. I'm sure that person had announced it on social media that they were pregnant. And part of me was like, oh no, are they going to think I don't care about them because I didn't see their social media update? No, I can just go and send them a text message and say, hey, I heard you're pregnant. Congratulations. I found out through someone else, you know, that life goes on. We don't need to constantly be in the state of trying to see everything all the time. It's really interesting. And speaking of time, another great point in the book is that depth takes time. Depth takes reflection. If you have to keep up with everything and send emails all the time, there's no time to read depth. Depth connected to your work and relationships also takes time. It takes energy. It takes long time spans and it takes commitment. It takes attention. All of the things that require depth are suffering and it's pulling us more and more onto the surface. And that's really helpful for me to read because I recognize it's not my fault that I've been up here on the surface. I'm being pulled up there. Everybody else is being pulled up. It's, it's hard to even blame other people and get angry at them because it's probably not their fault either. It's these systems. We have to make conscious effort if we want to have depth, right? It said, we need the time, we need the reflection, we need the energy, takes commitment, takes a lot. So for me, that was really aided by getting off social media. For you, that might be something different. What in your life is currently sucking up your time, your energy, your commitment? Can you put that on pause? Can you take a break from it? I mean, for some people that might be their family and they might not have the option. I don't have kids, so I have no idea what it's like to have a child. And I hear how much time and energy and commitment that takes. So then if that's taking up the majority of your time and you can't change it, is there something else? You know, the phrase, something's got to give. What can give in your life? And again, going back to Peter's point, what changed 15 years ago? What's different now versus 15 years ago? And can you enter back to that 15-year-old? I mean, not, not 15-year-old, 15 years ago state. And in the book Stolen Focus, there is a point about how our focus changes with age. So that's something we cannot control whatsoever. As much as we might think we have any control over our ages, we don't. We're getting older. And our brains change, our bodies change as we get older. If we can't control that, that's okay. Give in. It's not your fault. So if you realize it's an age thing, truly, and all the evidence points to the only thing different from me now versus 15 years ago is age, then 
what what can you do about that? But maybe there's an environmental impact trigger. Maybe there's a societal change. You might not be able to control it, but can you control your relationship to it? It's a question worth asking, right? The book points out how much we skim and and speed from one thing to another, which leads to us absorbing less and less. Can we slow down? That's a big goal of mine. What was interesting, though, is I started off this year, 2023, thinking, oh, I'm going to slow down. This is easy. It's not been easy. Somehow, I feel like I have more on my plate (laughs) than I did at the beginning of the year. I don't know. I, I really thought the opposite would be true, but somehow it's not. And that's exactly why I brought it to therapy. So you know, if you want to talk to your therapist, a counselor, or a coach about this, this this could be work that requires someone else to support you. It, it sometimes doesn't make sense. And by no means do I want to make this easy to imply that this is easy. In fact, um, Stolen Focus talks about something called cruel optimism, where sometimes we're oversimplifying things that are not simple. The book says, That telling people what they need to do to improve their attention, like do one thing at a time, sleep more, read more books, let your mind wander, can easily curdle into cruel optimism. And I don't want to be part of that either. So I'm not going to give you a solution except to reflect, to pay attention. The book points out how reducing stress can really help with our ability to pay attention because in order to pay attention, we need to feel safe. So what can you do to reduce stress for yourself? The book also says that many of us have built our identities around working to the point of exhaustion, and we call this success. So can you redefine what success means for you? That's what I'm working on. I don't use the word busy, for instance. I don't want to glorify busy. It's not my badge of honor. I would so much rather slow down and feel focused and go deep and be not considered successful to other people. But I consider that success. That's a major win for me, especially given how hard all this is. I want to be part of community, just like I've been working on with Beyond Measure, because the book says we need to be part of a collective struggle in order to reclaim the time and space that has been taken from us so we can finally rest, sleep, and restore our attention. The book ends along the lines of, I don't know if this is the very ending, but this was close to the end. To grow and flourish to its full potential, your focus needs certain things to be present. Play for children, and flow states for adults, to read books, to discover meaningful activities that you want to focus on, to have the space to let your mind wander wander so you can make sense of your life, to exercise, to sleep properly, to eat nutritious food that makes it possible for you to develop a healthy brain and to have a sense of safety. So thinking about those things, not in this overly optimistic, oversimplified state, but if those ultimately can support us, they're supporting all of our well-being. They're making us feel good to have the meaningful activity 
to having space to just think and to relax, to rest, to move our bodies, to enjoy food and have the food fuel our bodies, to feel safe. So those are the answers I have right now that came from this beautifully articulated and well-researched book. And reading books for me is the ultimate way of slowing down and nourishing myself, the ultimate way to focus. This book, Reading Stolen Focus, inspired me to read more books. It inspired me to get out of social media and put my time and focus into the books. And let me tell you, after two months of that, I feel great. Do I feel fully focused? No. <laughs> Do I have a lot on my plate? Yes. But that's okay. Because I actually, most of the things on my plate are getting me into my flow state, just like this episode, just like the meeting I have coming up in two minutes, you know, I'm choosing them because I enjoy them and they bring me a sense of connection that I'm really after. So thank you for connecting with me by either being here live in the community or listening on the podcast. I hope you feel more connected to me, to yourself, and maybe some ideas. If, if anything, I hope that it served as a reminder that it's not your fault if you feel unfocused and you're not alone in that at all. And Peter, I'm glad that it gave you lots to ponder. Certainly, that's, that's ultimately, what more could you ask for? Things to think about and pondering, wandering. Those are huge elements of focus. So if you can go ponder this, Peter, maybe you will find your flow state and the focus that you've been after all along. Keep me posted. Let me know next week when we're back for another live episode. I appreciate your presence, Peter. I appreciate everyone who here is here live. Some I just noticed listening in. Others I won't say by name because I didn't ask for their permission yet. I always try to do that ask permission. <laughs> and speaking of focus, I'm going to head out and go focus on my next calendar appointment and get into a nice, deep, rich, connected conversation with someone. Thanks again for listening. For those of you that are not part of Beyond Measure and are interested in it, it is linked in the description. Would love to have you there to be part of these conversations, to ponder life, to explore things together as a community. That's what it's here for. And regardless of what you choose, I wish you all the very best wherever your mind wanders after this episode. Bye for now.